Today, we have a really um, exciting and uh, very knowledgeable guest here. Um, her name is Aldisha, Miss Aldisha Thompson-Smith. She is a renowned doula based out of uh, Sacramento, California. Uh, she's joining us virtually, and I'm just really excited because I think that um, the, the, the goal of this podcast is really to kind of shine a light for people to have these um, semi one-on-one -on -one conversations with people in spaces that you don't have access to. Like, where would I ever get to talk to a doula? I mean, I got to get pregnant first, right? <laughs> and, then, and then a lot of times you do need somebody to like introduce you to the concept. You know, most people you get pregnant, you'll see your doctor. You don't even have that opportunity to to even be offered that sometimes. So that's why I'm really excited to for us to meet Miss Aldisha Thompson Smith today. Uh, Miss Aldisha, do you mind introducing yourself to our listeners and viewers and just tell us a little about what a doula is and what role they play um, during pregnancy and childbirth? Um, again, my name is Aldisha. I am originally from Sacramento, California, where I'm currently based at. Um, I went to school in Greensboro, North Carolina. So I lived in North Carolina for about nine, 10 years. So I actually went to two HBCUs. I started off at Bennett College for Women, an all-women's liberal school. And then I went to North Carolina A&T for my graduate studies. Uh, mm -hmm. So both my degrees are in biology. All of this is to get your title, which is to be a doctor. So all of that schooling encompassing to become a doctor in the near future. Um, but with all that schooling, I came across across some very great and influential people in my line of work as far as community service and doing things of that nature um, in order to learn what a doula is. I had this real keen spirit to help people. That's always been my nature. Um, so community service was all about volunteering at elderly facilities, daycares, feeding the homeless. So all of that from high school, then transitioning into a different state and city to help out those who I've never known, have a different background for me. Um, I got interested in public health. I wanted to learn more about how, how did diseases come about? Why does everything run within our family? Why do we have diabetes, hypertension? So with combining my love and passion for healthcare, I wanted to know, okay, well, there's an aspect to teach and actually learn to stop or prevent such diseases from coming about. So I went and did a certificate program at UNCG, um, which was public health education. And I learned about food deserts. I learned about uh, community grading. So how to rate a community based off of not just violence or safety, but do you have, where's your closest restaurant or grocery store? Do you have a farmer's market near you? Do you have a community center or park? Do you feel safe at that park? So actually seeing how your environment also encompasses with your health definitely played um, a huge role in me learning what a doula is because my classmate came up to me and was like, hey, would you be interested in this? I was like, I don't even know what this is. What's a doula? Again, my exact question, I was like, what's a doula? She's like, everybody says like a birthing coach, but it has different meanings. It's the meaning you put into it. And I think you would be a great fit for it. And I said, okay, I'll look into it. Two years later, I'm working at the community college um, as a lab assistant and this lady knocks on my door. Again, I forgot all about doula and tells me about a training that's being held at my alma mater. Been at college, and I'm like, wow, okay, that's a little divine. Let me go and see what this is all about. And I did the training and I fell in love with it. That was in 2017, and I haven't turned away. Wow. Oh. 
yeah I see like the passion you have for it like you know when people are like well I do this and I do this and I make a lot of you know like they yeah. can't even do that sentence but you know, <laughs> I do that you know like I love yes, it I do so, so what I do want to understand um so so tell us a little about the training that it took to become a doula and I really want to get to what is a doula <laughs> yes not a problem so training I was expecting something like a week long two weeks long weekend you literally have three days where you learn the scope, get a booklet, and I love it because it's hands-on work. The rest mm -hmm. is on your own. To become certified, I had to complete three births, which I have done. Um, talking to my many mentors, they're like, you know, you can do it without, you can do it with. And so I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of, do I want to submit the booklet and paperwork or do I want to keep just going at it how I've been? Um, but it's just more so educating yourself, reading the required materials. Um, that's what the certification requires. But I'm a hands-on learner. I'm a community person. So speaking with moms, going out and doing things like this, podcast interviews and um, Facebook Live interviews and just going to different seminars and actually building a network and community of other women um, is what actually has fortified me starting the business of my doula ship. Mm -hmm. How am I assisting a mom with that emotional educational and physical support informational support do they feel like they have the knowledge base if they have questions do they feel like they're heard um do they need assistance for rebuilding or rekindling their relationship with their partner um are they looking at me as the woman that i am previously are they there to support me once the baby's here because most people just forget about moms so a doula is not just oh i'm here for you labor and delivery and I'm mm -hmm. not just here for the baby. I'm here. What do you need? Woman to woman, sister to sister. How are you doing? How are you feeling? What's the next steps? What does life look, life look for you with this baby? What does life look for you before you had the baby? Where are we going? And things of that nature. Yeah. Where were you when I had these three kids? <laughs> <laughs> Still an undergrad learning myself, I guess. <laughs> well, um, well, how long have you been doing this? Ah, since 2017. So what is that about? Good five, six years? Um, going on six? Yeah. Tell me what would you say are the key benefits of having a doula during pregnancy and childbirth um, for the mother and the baby, and the family? I believe that people overlook our responsibilities and our role uh, just because they have, oh, I have my mom or my grandma. Um, well, your mother and your grandma deliver kids how many years ago? That's one. <laughs> not saying that they're not fit. Just right. in... We have issues sometimes with our family. They may not know what's best or how to support you, or they know a lot about your relationship. So they have, you know, insider phrases that, you know, can trigger you or can trigger a mom in any sense to, you know, be upset or like, oh, she's about to irritate me. Like she's already on that. You know what I'm saying? Judged a little yes, bit. Yes, yes. And that's how we did it back mm -hmm. in the, why can't you do that? You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so with that, we're, we're alleviating like, Hey, not, you know, pushing anybody out of a room, but mom, I think she might need some, some juice or some more ice. Do you mind going to get that for her? giving mom a break from all the naysay or extra voices in the room, even mm -hmm. giving the family who's tired or has helped with baby showers or feel like mom has just been too emotional or, you know, giving all these labels, we, reduce the labels, actually try and clear it out and let mom center, 
like focus on you, focus on what you're doing. Ask for assistance when need, hey, I need this right now. Is that okay? Like being comfortable with affirming your needs as a mother so that everyone else can see, okay, I'm not doing my due diligence at this time. And even if those people can't see, come back in a little bit. She's not quite where she needs to be. And, you know, go take a rest, go take a walk, um, whatever you need to do, go ahead and do that. And, you know, you can come back and see her in just a, in a couple minutes or a couple hours. And, you know, just right. re realign the room in the space giving the space back that what it needs to be and what the focus needs to be on. Mm -hmm. So um, during, I know during COVID, there was a lot, there were a lot of limitations to who could even be in the room yeah. um, in the labor and delivery process. Did you feel like doulas and people in your space were welcome into the medical team or just the, the birthing team? Or did you, did you guys have to, did you have to, you know, alter your practice in a way? Like, did you do it virtually? Were you, were you, were you all in there? So it came to, I'm a full spectrum doula. So I'm at doctor's appointments um, and all of that. So Zoom videos were easier for the doctor's appointments because then I'm tapped in there. Or if I'm at the mom's home, then it's on speaker. And if I have quite, if I want to ask questions or if the mom wants me to ask questions for her, then that's usually how I was able to hindsight any, you know, bridge any gaps that were had between the physician and the, um, the client. And then when it came to actually labor and delivery, I always, hey, let's ask beforehand, are you able to switch out individuals? Some hospitals are really great about being able to have the partner there first and then the doula or the doula first and then the partner. Um, so it's just more so about, you know, knowing your rights, asking the questions, the difficult questions, even if you get told no, um, and just accepting that for what it was. Um, so I had a couple clients that only could have one person the whole time um, or was they were really strict about like not COVID vaccination, but when's the last time you've been tested? Okay, well, here's this. So I would do a lot of postpartum work. And that's what's got me geared into learn more about postpartum depression and how to care for both mom and dad or mom and partner um, come postpartum era. Can you give um, some examples of how you provide like emotional and even physical support to someone during labor and delivery? Um, if you can walk us through what a typical, or I'm sure there are no typicals, right? They're always very no, they're typicals. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's different. So every mom is definitely different, but um, my process is uh, holding an interview and a consultation before signing on a client. That is the first thing, because I need to make sure that we match, we mesh, or I can actually fully support the family in general. Um, Emotional support would look like I'm firm believer on affirmations. I'm firm believer on what do you practice at home? Do you have aromatherapy? Uh, what soothes you? Do you like to walk? Do you like to dance? What When you are in a funk, what do you do? That is my question. When you are upset, sad, what's the first thing you like to do? Um, and if it's something that you can't do in a hospital, I'm like, okay, what's the second option? Because <laughs> there's different things that people like to do. So I'm like, what, what is a healthy habit that you have of dealing with your emotions? Let's incorporate that into your into the space. Um, do you like to just you know hum? Do you like to rock? Do you like to cry? Do you like to journal? Um, again, you can't do all of that with labor. So my thing is, you can speak into yourself. So those affirmations, those words of power, that breathing, definitely deep breathing definitely mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely support that so um do you practice meditation are you into yoga um do you know what deep breathing is so getting those deep breaths getting those affirmations and speaking into themselves um is how i provide that emotional support mm 
um, physical, I definitely offer light massages. So do you mind if I massage your hands? Do you mind if I place a cool rag on your head? Um, how's your legs doing? Um, do you want them lifted? Um, anything of that nature? Do you want me to rub on your back? Is that okay? Would you like essential oils? Would you not? So I incorporate everything in order to see what fits mom best. Okay. That's enough of that. Okay. How else would you like me to maneuver? Would you like me to dim the lights? I have these tea light candles. Oh, that sounds perfect. I brought a playlist. Oh, I have one too. Well, look at mine and then look at yours and let's see which one you want to listen to. All of those encompass into a full birth. I need a doula for like just daily life. Um, my kids are, <laughs> they burn me out. So, you know, I would <laughs> little support imagine you're so nice <laughs> we, need, we need this this is something that's needed whether you're pregnant or not yes it <laughs> is but um tell me the difference I know what do you know what the like history when did doulas become a thing when did it start is there like mm. some to it yes um and it's not an actual start date it's more so <sighs> One of my favorite doctors to listen to and read is Dr. Joy DeGruy. She is from South Central LA, is currently a professor, I believe she's still a professor at the Portland University. Um, she speaks on, or I believe coined the term, I might be mistaken, but I feel like she has post-traumatic slave disorder. So she speaks highly on how, you know, that term mammy comes from us, from Black women, from slaves actually cultivating and nursing and taking care of our slave master's children um, to the point that once, you know, slavery was abolished, you still, we still didn't have ask, access to adequate health care, access to adequate doctors and things of that nature. So we had to go to our neighborhood grandmas and aunties that were knowledgeable and, you know, our pain and as well as how to deliver or bring children into this world. Um, so there's no particular start date, but I say we've been doing it for centuries. I would say from different tribes, from different cultures, there's always been a village of women that come into a room to assist whatever woman within their village, nation, tribe was delivering. So I feel like we encompassed all of that and took from our pain and just learned. It's actually many women in the South who you know, had to go or get undermined by doctors because they noticed that, hmm, there's a lot of healthy, healthy Black children running around. And it's like, why is that? So then that's when it became certifications. And you got to do this. When those women and aunties have been doing it for years now, oh, but you're not clean enough. Or are you sanitizing? That's when sanitation became a thing. That's when midwives, doulas, nurses, and having to go through apprenticeship under the head of white doctors is what made it so that we had to have signatures and sign-offs and certifications and uh, tests and things of that nature. Oh, are you knowledgeable about this? Well, I just delivered every baby in my county. So, but no, I'm not knowledgeable, sir. So I guess I'll have to come and take your class. Right, right. Um, tell me what, what would you say is the difference between a midwife and a doula? The educational background. So actually having... Um, certifications in the medical field. So midwives actually go through th two to three years, if I'm not mistaken, of education um, and certification under another OB or midwives themselves to become certified as a midwife. So they're actually able to deliver the baby, 
um, check heart sounds, give blood pressure readings and things of that nature. So they have the full scope of, yes, I am licensed, certification and licensed to do this while doulas are just the educational and I've read I'm certified or not certified because doulas can go either or is honestly at the particular particularity of the mother excuse me um, so that is um okay. the uh, difference between the they, they do work together often how do you yes they um I guess complement each other when you've worked with midwives or even the physician how do you feel like y'all work together for the common benefit of the patient midwives are more open to doulas um OBs are Eh, they're a little, you know, skeptical or have questions. Mm-hmm. Midwives know that most skilled doulas can anticipate their needs and will and do so. Um, OBs don't, they would prefer nurses and that will go by the book and things of that nature. But midwives and doulas, they mesh better because they both have a common ground, which is that overall mm-hmm. sense of health for the mom, um, needs of the mom, and making sure that the mom is most comfortable, that the partner is most comfortable as well, and actually intertwining that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've actually had a birth where an OB was, was upset because we were giving the mom praises for uh, pushing out her baby after um, having a cesarean. So being a successful VBAC, like, hey, this isn't a club. What are you screaming and shouting for? Because we were all so excited and happy for her. Like, you know, I guess we got a little noisy, but a midwife is not going to have that type of attitude. They're going to join in on the cheering in. Oh, you guys all did amazing. You have such a good support. We're going to, I'm going to step over here for a second, you know, add to the the warmth of the room, not be so chilled or cold about the, the support you have. I had a I had a experience when I had my uh, first baby and I love my OB. She's she's very like bam 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 like I'm here to save. We're going to have a nobody's dying in this room today. Right. Her job, right? And she's not going to hold your hand through it. So the baby was um like stuck, like wasn't progressing. Actually, um he was he had a shoulder. He had a shoulder dystocia, right? Mm-hmm. And she just matter-factly said we have a shoulder boy, I'm going to cut you, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm like, we're going to talk about this. What I'm like, what, what'd you say? Cut mm-hmm. <laughs> cut me, drag the baby out. And afterwards I was just like, well, that, that just felt very, you know, sudden. And, you know, I, I don't feel like we discussed, she was like, I'm not here for all that. I'm here to have you a, a healthy baby. We know I don't want to hear about cerebral palsy or a shoulder issue or neck nerve damage later right. on in the child's life. Like she 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 didn't even if she didn't give me five seconds to think about what she was about to do. It wasn't a I think I'm gonna cut you. How do you feel about that? Um, she just cut me, you know. And you know, I mean, I get that, and I think everybody's role in the room is a little bit different. And you know, we do have to be kind of accepting of each person's, um, the role that each person's playing in the room, but I can see how the physician's main issue, goal in that room is just no dead babies, no, um, avoid cerebral palsy as much as possible and, um, no dead mom, right. Or no, you know, morbidity, right. Right. Permanent, you know, permanent problems for the future. So I can see the, you know, the difference, even, even as an ER physician, when, you know, sometimes the nurses are the more empathetic person mm-hmm. in the room. And I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry, this is going to hurt, but mm-hmm. I'm about to yank the heck out of your shoulder. We'll give mm-hmm. you some, but this is going to, this, this may hurt. And I'm right. I don't have time 
you know, or if a patient's airway is collapsing and the family wants to talk about whether we should intubate or not. And I'm like, oh, we're going to intubate. Like you're Mm -hmm. sitting on the ventilator. I'm not, we're not going to discuss unless you want to die. Like, you know, so I think some of that is just the fact that in their personalities, I know they're rough personalities out there, but some of it is just like, I'm just here to do my job. And it's, it's, Mm-hmm. to die today <laughs> and that's definitely and that's understandable but it's yeah. it's it's <laughs> like there's a line you know yeah. what i'm saying oh, of, yeah. there's of some just personalities yes yes yeah. yes and sometimes there's um you know um they're aggressive personalities some is mm-hmm. uh, i'm i'm the doctor you know right all of that <laughs> lower that ego just a tad and understand that yeah yes um, but, and then, you know, there, there's also, there are also people that have been burned, you know, where they mm-hmm. have, had one doctor who he didn't want to give, um, he was like, I'm, I'm not giving Toradol. I don't care. Toradol, he had a patient that he gave Toradol to, and then that patient like bled out and had a really bad adverse. And so Toradol is a pain medicine. It's mm-hmm. ibuprofen, but IV, you know, and, and it can inhibit platelets from clotting and affect your clotting system as far as bleeding. So and he just, he would not want to give that. And, and so we'd have patients with pain and I'd say, Hey doc, you know, this patient had pain. It looks like, and they, mm-hmm. you know, 10 out of 10 pain, they left with nine out of 10 pain. What y'all do? He was like, well, I gave her Tylenol. I was like, sir, well, she had Tylenol at home. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> she came mm-hmm. here, <laughs> you know, but now he's like, I'm not, I had a patient die from this stuff. I'm not doing it, but you know, so anyway, let's, um, so my other question was, um, what should someone look for when they're trying to choose a doula? What would you say are characteristics or even things in their history they should be um, asking or qualifications they should be asking for when they're trying to select a doula? I would say, again, that match. <laughs> so uh, culturally, do they honor your practices? Not necessarily have to believe in them, but do they respect you as an individual? So are they open to either the lifestyle you live, um, the partner you have? There's different aspects and cultures in life that we definitely should should take into consideration. Are they well-versed in the things that you want? So do they know what a lotus birth is? Do they know how to advocate for you if you want to save your placenta and do placenta encapsulations? Do they understand that you're high risk and what that means? Have they ever delivered twins? Um, have they are assisted with the delivery of twins or triple or multiples, any type of multiples? Are they able to answer the questions that you feel like you will have during your pregnancy or that you currently have now? Do you feel comfortable talking to them um, or confiding in them? Because again, this is your support person. Do they have connections to other doulas in case you have an early pregnancy and they're unavailable and they already gave you the time from like, hey, I'll be out for this time. And you find out that you're, you might deliver that time or have to deliver early because of what your OB or midwife says. Um, so all of those play a role in selecting a doula, not just um oh, I was referred here, or I love their page on Instagram. Um, do you believe in their concepts as a doula? Uh, do you stand for what their mission is as a doula? I love to have the interviews with the dads or partners. Um, so I, I love that because I'm like, all right, dad, questions for you. <laughs> oh, me? Yeah. And so what What did you expect or what are you looking for in a doula? I didn't know it was for me. Yes, it is for you, especially with the recent information that dads can go through postpartum depression for up to a year. Lack of sleep and that constant mm-hmm. worry, new responsibilities. Yes. I really thought about their side of things. And also the biggest statistic that most people don't know is that they feel unwanted 
because so many so many people have given so much love and care to the mom and the baby they forget hey dad I'm right here <laughs> like you know so it's just feeling that neglect also from family friends and even um the mom herself so how do you feel like you have to adapt I can't even, I mean have you had cases where you had to adapt like I thought this is what this client kind of wanted and then maybe they did like a 360 on you and now this, they're this they've changed their goals desires maybe they came in and they initially they didn't want um uh an epidural mm -hmm. they had some self soul searching and that now you're like how do you do you do you just go with the flow or do you remind them like hey well this is what you said you wanted what how what's going on or right I've actually had that happen and you know we <laughs> she was in full mode then and I was like All right, I'm gonna ask you only once do you remember what we talked about? She's like, yes, I remember. And I'm like, okay, well, what's changed? I wasn't expecting, then the tears came and I wasn't expecting, I was like, okay. Once the tears came, I was like, okay, well then let's move forward. Do you understand? Do you remember what we talked about as far as what an epidural is, what it does and all of that nature? Yes, yes. And I'm like, okay. So again, I asked, just, I reassure and I ask just to make sure that it's not just heat of the moment or her mom was in the room also. So I'm like, or, you know, being intensified by somebody else's fear for you. Um, and then I move forward with the needs. I, mm -hmm. I move forward with how I'm like, okay, you, you do want this, you do need this. And it's not just fear. And, and right now at this point in time, you're in your transition stage. So let's, let's do it. Let's just get it. Or you're heading that way. So let's, let's get it done and let's move forward from there I'm still here I'm not I don't look at you no different I don't see you no different I'm here to support you so whichever way if you all of a sudden like no I don't want skin to skin or I don't want to breastfeed right now or no they can take the placenta it's that this is all you I'm here to support whatever comes out within that mind and that mouth so whatever you see fit for you mom I'm here mm -hmm. are there times where you don't agree or there are times where you feel like this is, I don't, I don't think you're in your right mind right now. <laughs> or I don't, think you said, I don't know that this is what you, you know, shared. I've been working with you for whatever number of months. Yeah. This, where's this coming from? And mm -hmm. this, you wrote an essay about this where, you know, are there times where you kind of try to have to insist or really push them a little bit to that? To be honest. I, I, I don't push or insist. I do reflections after them. I say, so what encouraged this change in decision? Just to give mom a, a, a way to review what she had chosen. But no, and I've had that happen where I'm like, now you know, that's not what we discussed. But then I'm like, this is not my body. I'm not, I'm not right there in that bed. I don't, I don't know what's going on in your mind. I'm I can I guess or assume, but without having kids of my own, without knowing fully, because again, that's not me sitting there. I can't pressure you to do anything you you don't want to do. I don't I don't believe that you're in any danger. Um, everybody's saying that you're okay, but I understand how others can invoke fear. But I want you calm, so I don't want anything that's going to exacerbate you or make you even more tired and exhausted than you already are with these hours you've been here. So yes, but once we get to that postpartum, hey, what made this decision? Uh, while cleaning your house, or you just took woke up from a nap, and so hey, let's let's just 
I wanted to ask you a question about why, what changed your mind and made you want to get an epidural. Well, I thought I could handle the pain and I just feel so, no, don't feel bad. Mm -hmm. I just, I just wanted to know where was your mind at? What, what, what overcame you or what made you want to change what you stood so firm on? And it's okay. Just, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of stigma about C-sections. Is that, I don't know if that's still as high, but I, I, I feel like sometimes people feel some sense of failure if they're not Mm -hmm. able to have a vaginal birth and they end up, you know, what do you, how do you, I guess, talk to patients like that or what kind of encouragement do you give them about that? One, I let them know you're not less of a woman or a mom. You didn't give up on yourself and you didn't give up on your child. You listened to the advisement of your doctor and your nurses and of me and or of your doula or your support person and followed what needed to be done. I think that's courageous of you because you were scared to do it. You That's empowering for yourself to know, even though I couldn't go with my first objective, I was still able to complete the task of having my child. Yeah. You seen that the overturning of Roe v. Wade and um, has that impacted your practice? Now that they've, you know, federally they've legalized or made it essentially legal to have a abortion give people, they're going to be women birthing babies that they may not want. Mm-hmm. How do you support a woman who didn't want this baby? For me, I, I'm a resource person. So I give all the resources. There are such things as adoptions. Um, some states are really good about foster youth and foster care. So especially speaking of foster youth my mom has been a foster mom for years so there's individuals who would give a better home if that's something you need so I would give those resources it's like but for this delivery mm-hmm. we're, gonna, we're gonna deliver this healthy baby we are and what to do after. yes mm-hmm. yes or beforehand proper planning prevents yeah. this poor performance so <laughs> let's let's do that first let's talk about it. If you don't want to talk about it now, just know the conversation is going to come up. I'd rather have the conversation than it be later and postpartum depression hits because now you have something that you did not want at all. Can you um, share any emerging trends or advancements in the field um, of doula care that we're going to be seeing um, in the near future? Governmental health insurance is looking to increase postpartum care by 12 months, so extend coverage for an additional year. I believe there's also about to be more of a diversity and inclusion training within different hospitals, um, just because there's been a spike and an increase in so many fatalities when it comes to infants and uh, mothers that it's, it's getting a little bit um, outlandish. So I'm excited to hear about that. So this is just to name a couple that I've been really tapping into and researching on. So speaking of maternal deaths or even just complications of childbirth or morbidity, I guess what role do you feel like um, doulas are able to play in that, um, that sphere? Again, that empowerment and encouragement. So if it's unhealthy, then, you know, checking in. I'm very, I'm very much the, the home girl doula, I like to call it. So I'm girl, what you eat today? Okay. How much water you drink? Well, I just had a, why are we drinking soda? Uh -uh, uh -uh. Like I'm talking to, again, if I have that comfortability with you, so it can go on or off. I can give, be the professional and 
do that, but I'm I'm very lax in who I am. I'm talking to you as a sister, as a cousin. Now we know better. Um, <laughs> let's do better. A few of my births were my Bennett sisters. The first two of my births were my Bennett sisters, so they were my um college my college sisters because I went to all women's school. Um, and to this day, they're like, I'm so glad you're still doing this work. Oh, I want you to know I signed up to be a doula. Oh, I'm working on being a lactation consultant. So to inspire and do that is amazing. But they know it's because I gave them the real. Like, I'm I'm not about to come to you and pacify you. Why are you drinking that? And you know that you have diabetes. Like, what's going on? Or you know that preeclampsia is something that you're dealing with. Like, what are we doing to try and, you know, not have that? Or if anything, deal with that, but deal with it in the positive aspect. I mean, it's kind of like having a a good friend, um, but who's knowledgeable and is keeping you accountable and is there. Again, like my best friend lives in Cleveland, Ohio. Like how mm-hmm. can she help me from yeah. over there? But you are right there front and center. Um, I, and gosh, I wish, I, yeah, I think it's, I don't know if it's just the knowledge or people just reaching out and learning more, but this is a service I would have loved. I mean, I don't know why I didn't have a doula. I didn't even consider it, it's, you know? Yeah. Um, when people are pregnant, they're they're doing a lot of research. Like what other resources should people be looking into once they are getting ready for childbirth and maybe considering a doula? I'm down for the reading. So Spiritual Midwifery by uh, Miss Ina May Gaskins is one of my favorite mid- um midwife and doula books I love I love that book look up on the donor website um, seminars and webinars on Lamaze International they're always talking about different things like pelvic health if you you know don't necessarily care for those type of webinars different podcasts um, TED Talks have also had doulas on there you know I know some people are wary about TikTok but some great doula information and doulas are on TikTok and Instagram and have really great content there's a National Black Doula Association on Instagram and Facebook and they have a website where they have different seminars and webinars and topics that they discuss community centers again are my favorite thing they host so many things they have so many flyers, usually can point you in the right direction. It doesn't just have to be the worm, the term doula, but lactation consultant, breastfeeding, uh, baby wearing, like start looking up those keywords because then usually there's going to be a class within your area. I think that um, physicians have a huge role to play in this and the more knowledgeable physicians are and leaders and people that have influence over some of this stuff, you know, the more knowledgeable they are, the better for everybody. Like if I, you know, how many pregnant women do I see? You know, mm-hmm. if I was even, if it was even on my radar, like that could be part of the discharge summary. Hey, have you considered a doula? Or if you mm-hmm. see, you know, we had a, a, a provider on the podcast who's a pelvic physical therapist. I have never referred a patient to, I mean, you know, like yeah. in pelvic pain, when I'm doing ultrasound, make sure you don't have any infection. We're going to check for STD. You know, I'm going to do all yeah. the medical stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, or good luck, you know, type of thing. So I think if leaders <laughs> are also just well-versed in the fact that yes. it's not always an infection, it's not always just deliver this baby. There's, right. you know, this could be a very, much more pleasant delivery than even I can provide. Oh, I'm, I'm just here. I just learned how to bring the baby out, you know? Right, right. You. So I think, you know, that's, that's one thing I hope to impact is, you know, the more I'm, I'm listening to you talk and thinking, gosh, do we have any doulas? on our discharge summer, we have three facilities, you mm-hmm. know, 
hopefully more one day. But if I can Im implement something like that, then any pregnant woman who's being discharged is going to have some of that information. And it's being told to her by somebody that she hopefully would yeah. listen to or respect to some enough to re go check it out, you know, herself. Because yeah. um, sometimes people just, they just don't know. I don't even, yes. you know, nobody sat and told them that, hey, have you considered this thing? Mm -hmm. you know? just feel like oh it's for those people over there you know right so, right yeah you know no so. and, and this I actually did a post on my Instagram page that doulas are not a luxury they're a necessity um they're they're not a luxury you're you're keen to have one you're supposed to you're so you're you're supposed to have someone that is not going to be stereotypical or judgmental or one-sided in your childbirth or what you want in your needs somebody that's going to advocate for you like has talked to you has been there to see listen hear what you need what you want and then go forth with that can you tell us a little bit about how um, patients and possible clients can find out about you well you can find out about me on Facebook or Instagram at gifted generations that is gifted g-i-f-t-e-d generations are people able to work with you virtually yes okay yes a traveling doula is awesome I mean people we all we we spend on what we find value in and I think yeah just knowing that this is this is a possibility if yes I was a baby you would be traveling here <laughs> and I would love to I love Houston <laughs> yes well we're so I'm so glad and grateful that I got to meet you I feel I feel so empowered <laughs> I wish I could experience what yes. you're describing because it sounds so it sounds so great and like just that amount of support. And we just don't live in a very, you know, we're not uh, agrarians is what they, what it's called. Mm -hmm. We live more like a, um, a, a community. We yeah. all are individual, like my mm -hmm. brother is in um, San Diego and I have another brother who's in um, Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I have some cousins and, you know, nobody's where we grew up, where your cousin was down the street and your yes. uncle's here and we're all mm -hmm. just charting and trying to make their own way in their own place and it's hard to have that community unless you you know obviously you can find it and create it yourself you have to put yes in, you have know. to put in the work but we're here <laughs> the community's there just have to put in the work to find it yes just as like everybody's able to find a hairstylist and the nail tech and the clothes they want do yeah. the same yeah. aspect for you know cultivating your home and your kids yeah tired of waiting at the er Lifesavers 24-Hour Emergency Room is your number one ER for pediatric and adult medical care. Staffed by board-certified physicians with absolutely no wait time. Lifesavers 24-Hour Emergency Room is equipped to handle life-threatening conditions quickly. Your emergency or concern is our priority, and we're here when you need us. Now with three convenient Houston locations, open 24-7 to get you feeling better fast. Our Willowbrook area location is located at the intersection of Highway 249 and 1960. Our Heights area location is in the Garden Oaks Shopping Center at 3820 North Shepherd Drive. Our Summerwood area location is located off of Sam Houston Tollway at West Lake Houston Parkway. Lifesavers 24-hour emergency room is your ER for immediate care.